I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, Episode 35. Welcome to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. Season 6 is all about plans, school plans, organization plans, and how to use those plans to keep you convivial instead of frustrated. That's right, your attitude matters more than the plan itself. But that doesn't mean a good plan won't make a significant difference. If you're getting ready for homeschool planning, or you feel like you're missing something in your plans, I highly recommend Plan Your Year by Pam Barnhill. When you purchase Plan Your Year, you not only get planning forms, the best step-by-step guide out there, and a Facebook support group, you also get several bonus audio sessions, one of which is an hour-long conversation Pam and myself had on overcoming obstacles in our homeschool days. For podcast listeners only, use the discount code CONVIVIAL for 20% off Plan Your Year at planyouryear.net. Three tools for a sane homeschool plan. It's one thing to buy the books and supplies, to make a plan, to create a chart, and quite another to actually pull it off in a typical day. Days never go exactly as planned, but it's worth the time to imagine it even so. And the more you practice imagining your day and planning for contingencies before the heat of the moment, the better you'll become at rolling with the punches of a real-life homeschool day in a household bustling with people. Here are three tools I use to help me put together my homeschool day. One, a weekly homeschool time budget. I never did implement a managers of their homes like schedule, but one thing that I did learn from her book was that when I made a plan, I had to think about what everyone was doing. I couldn't just schedule Latin with the two older kids while assuming that the others would be productively occupying themselves without disturbing us. I couldn't plan on doing reading lessons with the young child and assume the older ones would work on independent work while the toddler would not wreak havoc. Unrealistic expectations lead to frustration. The problem is that my expectations were unrealistic only because I wasn't looking at the whole picture. Once I looked objectively at the situation, it became obvious that my plan was incomplete and therefore would not work. I needed a plan that took into account each person. I also needed a plan that didn't hang over our heads like a dictator, where my job was beating everyone with the timetables rather than helping them with their lessons. Enter the mothers of their home style schedule. It looks like, and can easily become, an overbearing micromanaging torture device. But when used primarily as a tool to think through the whole situation, it's brilliant. I don't schedule each person strictly every 30 minutes, but I do make a plan that notes where each person should be during our school hours. Then I can see that I need to have something for the preschooler to do or make it clear to the elementary student that now is when he should be practicing piano or getting to his checklist. I have two school day time budgets, one for our summer term, which is lighter than the rest of the homeschool year, and where we usually do lessons in the afternoon, and one for the rest of our homeschool year. With the summer term time budget, I can see that if we want to do something summer fun in the morning, we can adjust it by doing math and morning time before leaving the house, and then just leave 90 minutes in the afternoon for lesson time. 
which when it's super hot in August is a preferable schedule anyway. In our typical homeschool weekly plan, I think there's enough time for my eighth grader to get his work done, but there's also a 90 minute reading time buffer. If he needs more time, it's there. But if he gets his work done in the morning and wants to listen to an audiobook while playing Legos, he can do that instead. Two, procedure charts. The plan is made. The books are in the basket. I sit down with the children sitting all around the table and I freeze. What are we doing? How do I start? Didn't I have a good idea for a way to do this? Enter procedure charts. I learned this trick from Pam Barnhill and I love it. I've always maintained that starting is the hardest part of anything, including each and every transition within a homeschool day. A procedure chart is a simple hack that has helped me overcome that mental hurdle of going blank when we sit down to begin a lesson. It's really just a list, but it's such a helpful little list. I have used the Keynote program, Evernote, spreadsheets, and just a list on my clipboard and they all work. It just depends on what you want to actually look at every day. You can click over to this post to see some examples of previous year's procedure charts for our morning time, Monday meeting, and Friday check-in. Three, visualization. What both the previous activities force me to do is visualize our typical homeschool day and make myself notes accordingly. Visualizing is more than drafting out do this, then do this sorts of lists. It involves foreseeing stall points and stumbling blocks so that I can either set things up to bypass them or at least go into the situation with a mental strategy to handle pushback. For example, as I think through the day, I'm thinking about where the supplies are and how difficult they are to access and to put away. I'm thinking about where people might be doing their work. Do they have options for quiet space? Where will their work go when they're done? When do I correct it? When do they fix their mistakes? Also, I know that one child will be stressed out by a new routine, so I budget time in that first week to ease him in. Another will be thrilled with the new and will need time to burn off extra energy afterwards. I think of little suggestions that I can make when someone starts resisting or feeling overwhelmed, a cup of tea, a walk down the street, Check the tomatoes and you can eat whatever you find, a glass of ice water and jumping jacks. First, I let myself visualize an ideal homeschool day. Then reality has to come after that. After a little fantasy, bring in my actual real-life kids with their own agendas, opinions, and emotions. How can we all get along while moving forward and still be civil with each other at the end of the day? It can be tricky to move from the big picture outlines and kid checklist plans to working out what a homeschool day will actually look like, but these three tools and practices help me do just that. And now it's time for this season's Clever Curriculum Connection, Latin. Because the primary argument that pulled me into studying Latin in the first place was the grammar argument, I wanted to make sure that we took a strong translation approach. Latin for Children provides translation and reading exercises, but since we weren't moving on in a lesson until we had some semblance of mastery on the chapter, we often needed to do more work to get to mastery than was provided in the workbook, and it seemed like full parsing and translating was the best thing to do. After all, 
That's the work that created the most resistance. The more we practiced it, I figured the better they'd get at it, the more accustomed to it they'll become, and the more they'll understand how Latin works. Also, as John Milton Gregory states in the seventh law of his seven laws of teaching, no time is wasted, which is spent in review. And by sitting down together whenever we do it, I'm able to tutor them much more effectively. In parsing and translating, I can see where they are currently struggling. Are they looking up every word in the glossary? Then we need more vocabulary review. Do they always forget what parts a noun and a verb have? Then this parsing business is exactly the practice that they need. Do they have no idea what person means? Then it's time for a refresher grammar lesson again. In parsing and translating a sentence, they have to remember everything they've learned to date and use it. There are no multiple guess quizzes. Instead, meaningful, useful practice. No matter how much they cry or argue or complain, it is good work and they are better for it afterwards. They are learning to be careful and deliberate and accurate And those are the skills that will serve them well, even if they never read a lick of Latin. Find the work pages that I made for extra parsing and translating practice at simplyconvivial.com slash audio and choose season six. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or review in iTunes or Stitcher. And you can also hit the share button and share it on Facebook. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the seasons, the full episode list, and sign up to get an email whenever a new one comes out. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat. Repeat.